This episode has been sponsored by Connor Insurance, an auto owner's insurance company. Hi, this is Abby at Connor Insurance. There have been record amounts of rain all across the country this year. Most damage occurs when water backs up in your drains and basement fixtures. If you have a basement, you need to check the limit your policy provides for water backup. If you aren't sure how to check, just give me a call or visit us at ConnorINS.com. Shepherd has been serving the children of Indianapolis and helping families for 34 years. We work to break the cycle of poverty on the near east side of Indianapolis because we love the children in our neighborhood. We are privileged to watch our neighbors grow physically, emotionally, spiritually, and academically through the relationships we build every day. Partnered with Shepherd by donating $34 to celebrate 34 years. Visit shepherdcommunity.org slash BLF to join us. And now the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, hey, everyone, this is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. If this is your first time checking out the program, thank you so much for investing some time with us today. If you're a regular listener or viewer, depending on the device that you're uh, participating in, thanks and welcome back. Well, this is, as of recording, about week five uh, maybe week six of quarantine <laughs> on a global basis here, certainly in America, the COVID-19 crisis. And so we have uh, adapted and adopted our recording methodology. We're doing it here on the laptops with Zoom video. We're not in the formal, full, traditional studio as in the past. We make that comment just so you would give us a little grace, that we know it's a slight downgrade in the audio quality and the video quality that we normally have. But hey, we're all in this together, as we've heard, and we are making adjustments on the fly. And this is the program where we get the opportunity to interview amazing leaders from all walks of life in the marketplace. And what these, whether they're uh, entrepreneurs or athletes, high profile celebrities, CEOs, pastors, whatever the case may be, what all of our guests have in common are two things. Number one, their deep love for Jesus, and number two, their desire to serve him in the marketplace and leverage their marketplace ministry platform. And so we're here to encourage you as a follower of Christ to also do the same, to love Jesus deeply and to live out your faith for him in the marketplace. I am really excited today because online I have with me Toby Gruppen, who is the founding pastor at LifeQuest Church in Holland, Michigan, who has an amazing story about this whole integration of faith life and business life. Toby, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Hey, thanks for including me. Thanks for having me today. Well, Toby, you and I got connected through a fellow named Eric Fogg for our listeners, Truth at Work, which is the host ministry here of the program, Bottom Line Faith, has chapters around the country where we gather uh, formally, we gathered face-to-face and monthly roundtable groups uh, in our current COVID-19 crisis. Uh, we're doing so like the rest of the world through virtual conversations. But you and I got connected through Eric, who heads up the Truth at Work chapter there in the Western Michigan area. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of your background, um, your faith journey, and how you founded this church, LifeQuest? Sure. So, Growing up in Holland, Zealand area in West Michigan, uh, grew up in a Christian family, uh, t- 
typical just upbringing was Sunday morning and Sunday night church. Wednesday was catechism and you didn't miss any of it. So grew up with that as kind of my lifeblood and who I was. And that was truly the Holland Zealand feel uh, for much of my upbringing. Went to Christian school as well. So I always knew about God. I always knew about Jesus. I had this feeling like that's who I am. But I would say that that would be a lot of, of my head knowledge for a lot of those years. Uh, high school was a good time for me. I had a lot of great friends. Sports were very important to me. But to say my spiritual life was center, uh, that was not the case for me. Went off to college, explored, tried to figure out a little bit more who I was. Went off to a public college and found a party scene that I never knew existed before. <laughs> and felt those strong tugs of who are you going to follow? Is it going to be the way of the world or is it going to be God? And I remember there's Sundays that I woke up and just found myself going to a church to say, is this real and is, is this what I hold on to? After one year at a public college, I came back here to West Michigan at Hope College. And again, I wish I would say, boy, God just really spoke to me and my faith took off, but it was a couple more years of just wrestling and struggling to figure out what I was going to be. Both of my parents worked at Herman Miller, which is a, a furniture manufacturing, uh, yeah. well known. Um, so I was thinking it would be great if I just became the CEO of Herman Miller someday. Uh, my mom worked for as an administrator for a couple of the CEOs, so I knew them. Um, I knew the company, so that was going to be my big dream. Finished college with a business degree and a communication degree. Went to start working for a bank to get my finance behind me. So my big dream at that time, live on Lake Michigan, have a helicopter, fly to Herman Miller back and forth every day. That was going to be my goal. But it was during that time that God had a different goal. Uh, I was pretty lost coming out of college, uh, chasing after the things of the world. And my brother sent me on a three-day weekend called Chrysalis. It has other names, Decotech, uh, Decolores. But it's a weekend where complete strangers just shower you with the love of Christ. And it was on that weekend when I was 23 years old, sitting in the back of a church in East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, we just went through a powerful message about nailing our sins to a cross and just sitting in this very dark sanctuary. And I picked up a Bible and I opened up to the book of John and those beautiful words that I read and heard so many times growing up in the beginning was the word. Those words, all I can say, leapt off the page and leapt into my soul. Mm -hmm. Jesus was standing before me and just said, so, so what's it going to be? I'm real. Are you going to follow me or are you going to continue your path? And that weekend I said, I'm all in. I went home that weekend and I remember taking a CD collection I had and I just pitched it. I called my buds and said, I'm not going to be hanging out with you guys anymore and doing the bar scene. I, I'm, I'm on a whole different path. And from there, God just continued to open up opportunities. Um, we got a new pastor at my home church and I sat down with him and he invited me to start helping out with a youth pastor who was a part-time seminary student. I started helping him out and I absolutely loved it. Still working at the bank, still kind of hold on to that dream. Maybe I'll still be Herman Miller CEO someday. Uh, but it was working with that uh, youth pastor who 
after that one year, took a call to a new church and said, I'm recommending that you become the youth pastor of this church. How old were you? Uh, I'm 24 at this time. Okay. All right. All right. Still working at the bank, still having those dreams. So um, I did that part-time, full-time at the bank, part-time for a year. And I remember I was in between banks between a meeting one day, and I was waiting for a red light. And I didn't say these words, but they definitely came out of my mouth and my ears heard them, but it was like something pushed them out. And I, I heard, I'll stop running from you. And as soon as I heard those words roll off my mouth, I just started weeping like a baby, turned my car around, went back to my home church and talked to my pastor and said, this is what just happened. I feel like I'm being called into full-time ministry. And you know how fast churches work. Um, but within three weeks, I put in my two weeks notice and I was the first full-time youth pastor at my home church. Wow. So uh, I did that ministry for 14 years. I had the opportunity to develop what is called the Bridge Ministry Center, which is a youth center, a community center where all the schools get pulled into. Uh, I love that ministry. Um, still be doing it today, but then God did another 180 and led me into thinking about church planting. And for the last 12 years, I've been doing a church plant called LifeQuest. Now, was it a offshoot of the previous church that you were at, or was this a brand new church plant? A brand new church plant, yes. That had to be yeah. kind of scary, I would think. Well, you know, and some of the questions that you ponder too is about failures and struggles and, and you know, the wrestling, that came out of a season of deep tension and wrestling. Um, after 14 years of doing the youth ministry piece, we got a new leader that came in that had kind of a different vision, and I would say was a little intimidated by some of the success that the youth ministry was doing. And I would just say was unfavorable and inappropriate. Uh, I would even say abusive in, in some senses. So after about a year of walking through that, my wife and I made a decision for integrity wise, we needed to step out of that. I had a three and a half year old son and a one week infant daughter. When we said we're walking away from this with no job, no nothing, we're just gonna trust God, he has something next. So uh, he led us to a, a church plant that was starting where we just went and interned for two years, found out that I loved everything about church planting and made some connections and then we started this brand new. So Toby, so much of our audience here at Bottom Line Faith are business owners, they're executives, entrepreneurs and so forth. Uh, a church plant is a startup. It yeah. is, right? There's, there's some nuances, but it's just like starting a brand new venture, a brand new business. So, so many of our audience members are going to relate to this. So thinking back to that chapter and that season in your life, what were some of the, I don't know, I guess, uh, scary part of the, the startup? What were some of the lessons you can recall learning or some of the key breakthroughs? You know, just as you think back and reflect on that season of your life and ministry and vocation, what comes to mind? Both, both tough and enjoyable, you know, just kind of walk us through some of that. Sure, I think with any new startup, you really want to explore and think through what is not being done that could be done or should be done, right? What, what do we have to offer that's different? And one of the things that I wanted to see was more engaging with the beautiful diversity that God has provided. 
I think a lot of our churches are so uh, single culture. And I wanted to see if we could bridge that gap and walk with many cultures. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to see, instead of just kind of having a church or a denomination, how do we start collaborating and really talking about doing this all together and, and partnering together and being the one church? So that was very important to us as well. Uh, and we also wanted to attempt to bring church in a new way. Um, one of the fun phrases that a lot of people will say in West Michigan is, we have a church on every corner. Um, the reality is, is West Michigan is very much average, like the rest of the United States, as far as attendance, et cetera. Um, so we wanted to reach new people groups that wouldn't find themselves walking into a typical church. And um, so all of those things, right, you dream about it, you pray about it, uh, you invite others, uh, you have a whole lot of people saying, well, that can't be done, or that'll never work. But when you have that vision in your heart, you're we're going to try and we're going to go after it. So a lot of excitement, uh, but also a lot of challenges when you run up to those barriers or those obstacles. Yeah. Um, but finding the right people to come alongside you to you do it together, uh, you just don't go alone. So as I look at my notes from that part of our conversation, Toby, and you talk, the three things that I'm taking away is you were wanting diversity. You were wanting to do something with a, a diverse group of people. Love that. Collaboration, coming alongside and working with other churches and other ministries to further the kingdom. And then innovation, to do something new uh, that hadn't been done before in, in your area. Did I, did I capture those three key lessons or key focus from the early days? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And it wasn't just... Uh, connecting with other churches. What we've been doing with our model too, is we've been able to pull together business and yes. uh, the public education sector as well, which has been a beautiful marriage between faith, business, and public education. That's excellent. It's that, and that's probably, uh, Toby, a great uh, transition to maybe the next kind of part of our conversation is, um, you have a very unique physical setup in terms of very, you know, at least somewhat early on a, a business relationship or a, a relationship with a business owner developed and that turned into something really, really special. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Cause it, it continues to impact how you do church today. Sure. So our original model is that uh, we had a parent church that was a pretty large church, probably about 3000 in size. And when we were going to look at doing this new church, uh, we said, hey, let's, let's do this. They were going to partner in, and they said, hey, we'll, uh, we'll send probably about 150 or so people along with you to, to figure this out. A uh, healthy number to, to get things going. Well, this was kind of brand new in this area of launching out and planting. When all was said and done, we left with about six Christians. Not a healthy way to plant. Six? And six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Um, but we were attracting all these people. And so the first five years, we, we attracted the diversity. We attracted um, the people that we were wanting to go attract, but we didn't have the strong health around us. So after about three, four, five years into it, we're like, we need to figure out a better place for us to just nest because uh, we weren't able to afford where we were at our current place that we were leasing. That opened up a conversation 
with Doug Buma, who was the president of Integrated Fabric Resource. He was a member of the, the parent church that helped start us. Uh, mm -hmm. Great business leader, uh, wonderful heart. But uh, we opened up that conversation to say, do you have any space at your manufacturing center? They um, make vinyl packaging for the auto industry. And so we walked one day through his facility and they had office space that was just sitting empty. And he invited us and just said, um, we've always wanted to bring a chaplain in. We just didn't have the free resources to, to pay and, and bring somebody in. He goes, but we do have space. Could we make a trade that you have this space for free and trade that you come and bless our employees? So that was the initial partnership that took place. Um, and then for the past six years, we've been living into that, trying to dream what does this mean for a church to be embedded? So think of any other church, uh, worship, services, Bible studies, all that, uh, but it's embedded in this manufacturing center. So wow. um, I'm sitting in the office right now, but off to my right then is the break room, and then you have like the, the restrooms, and then it's our office space. And then right beyond the break room, obviously, is the manufacturing floor, and we have free access to the employees and just walking with them. So it's, a, it's been a beautiful partnership. That's, that's So could you maybe walk us through some of the practical um, implications and applications? Like, do you go out and tour the plant and visit with employees, or do you host Bible studies or celebrations, and do you have church in that building? Just kind of walk us through what it looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. So we have about 6,000 square foot of just empty office space that we have turned into a church sanctuary. So yeah, okay. at, we hold worship services here on Sunday. Uh, the, the beauty has been those walking out on the floor when I was first here, um, the company owner uh, was out on the floor as well. And I was out on the floor and he called me over and he just started laughing. He said, there's two people who can stop anybody from doing work on this floor. That's me and that's you. So <laughs> that was the green light that they gave us here to walk up with the employees. Um, many of the employees at the height of where we were about two years ago, 17 different languages were spoken on the floor. Wow. So we just got on the floor to understand what are the true needs. And so we offer English as a second language for the employees. We work with them through citizenship and helping them work through that. Many of them are first or first generation uh, immigrants or refugees. So just being in a West Michigan culture, we're going to parent teacher conferences with them to, to help them understand. We're taking them to the doctor. We're helping them understand banking. I mean, just the basics of how do you survive and live well here. Um, my, my deepest joy is watching the English as a second language happen. We've partnered a student with a volunteer, so it's one-on-one, -on -one, and watching those relationships just absolutely take off and flourish. Um, I wish I could videotape that because on the days it happens, you have a person who's just worked 10 hours a day, and they're coming off the floor, and they have a volunteer, and, oh, so glad to see you, and, and they're embracing each other, and you're like, who gets to go to work and get embraced? I, mean, I think those are, those are things that you can't like uh, record as tangible things, but um, there's a beautiful thing that's happening with relationships that way. So it's probably gonna be a really unfair question, so you can correct the way, even the way, the way I ask it. 
Sure. Say that it's a church planted inside a business or a business planted inside a church or alongside. How do you describe that when people ask? What because this is a very unique setup. I love it, but sure. how do you describe that? Well, we're always transitioning. We're even trying to work through a transition, especially with this coronavirus, and we're trying yes. to think how do we multiply and reproduce what we've learned here. I like to just simply say, instead of us trying to get people to come to church, we've just brought church to where people are. And that's why I love what Truth at Work is doing. Uh, I believe God's going to do a great movement through businesses because that's where people are. They're spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I think the church really needs to wake up and see the mission field that's right there. You don't have to go anywhere different. You don't have to do another add-on. It's just learning how do I disciple, how do I bring Christ more aware into this space? Yeah, that's so fantastic. So in addition to the uh, things like English as second language and maybe as you described, taking uh, some of the workers uh, to you know appointments, doctors, learning to navigate the system, do you have any feel or um um, perspective on what percentage of those employees actually attend either your church there or another church on the weekend? Do you have any feel for that at all, what that, that crossover has been? Sure. So um, the beautiful thing is uh, most are coming from a Southeast Asian context. Okay. So most have a Buddhist or a Hindu background. So the mission field is so ripe and it just has been the long six years of building trust and, and building favor. Um, it's not the Bible bashing and saying you, it, we are just coming in incarnationally and saying, let us love you and serve you. And yeah. now they're, they're responding. So we have a good handful of people. So Cambodian, Vietnamese, Chinese, um, Vietnamese, all a part of who we are on a Sunday expression. Um, a lot of people too, they say, can we come, can we gather? But I also know many of them work seven days a week, 10 hour days. Okay. Sundays okay. are their day to be home with family and get groceries. So we'll, I'll say, let's just do church here while you're here, rest with your family uh, on Sundays. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, here's a powerful story that I think kind of encapsulizes everything. I think a lot of, um, companies or some have chaplains and i think that's a beautiful powerful thing what i love about this model is it's not just a chaplain that's here once in a while it's it's a congregation that has said this is our mission we had um a lady that worked here and she came she spoke very little english but she asked if we could help her move because her husband was sick and they lived in the middle of a trailer park and they wanted to move to the front of the trailer park because their young son, who was a kindergartner, had to get on the bus and the bus came to the front of the park. So before I said yes, because I didn't know what we were getting into, I said, let me come to your house and let me just meet with you and your husband. So I went there, I saw, I said, yep, we can help move, move you, but let's just talk about you're your sick, you had cancer. How can we come alongside you and, and pray for you? And that opened up a lot of conversation. He wasn't Christian. He came from a Buddhist background. And so we, we, we talked about that and what he believed. And I just said, can I pray with you? And he said, yes. And I laid my hand on him. And the man, as I prayed, just started to weep and weep. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that following Saturday, our church showed up and we moved this family to, to their new home. We have this beautiful picture of us circled around this new house praying. So I stopped by and we have these audio scriptures um, and I found, I got one in Vietnamese and I brought it to him and I'd stop by every so often. And every time I did, that little audio scripture was sitting on his pillow in his <laughs> hospital bed and he was listening to scripture. Well, about a month or so went by and I got a call, please come right now, please come right now. And I walked into the house and it was filled with the Viet Vietnamese family and, and community. And he was taking his last breath and they, they were asking me to, to pray with him during this time and pray with the family. Now remember, this is a Buddhist context, which is beautiful, right? But they're asking me into that space. Uh, he, he died that night and just kind of sitting in that space, a gentleman came to me and said, are you Pastor Toby? And I said, yes. He said, I'm an elder from a Vietnamese church in Grand Rapids, which is about 35, 40 minutes away from here. I want you to know that he called my pastor two days ago. He told me that you've been walking with him. You gave him this audio scripture and he, he wanted to become a believer and he wanted to be baptized. So we baptized him two days ago. Uh, so I, I was grateful for that. Well, now I have the wife who comes and says, I want you to do the service for me. I'm like, okay, so we end up doing the service here at LifeQuest. Um, she worked second shift and we talked to the, to the company. So the whole second shift took off. And oh, came that's beautiful. And that whole service during that second shift time. So um, those are the powerful things that can start to happen when we, yeah, try out different models. And that's just because day after day, week after week, month after month, that's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's that Correct. presence and relationship. And in this case, specifically cross-cultural, cross-economic barriers, socioeconomic barriers and so forth. That's, that's incredible. So, so Toby, thank you. That's a great story. Thank you. That's perfect. Um, so let's say that I'm a uh, business owner um, listen to this conversation. Wow, that's really an interesting story. That's a different model where part of a business was dedicated to house a church. What, um, what insight, what advice, what encouragement would you give to a business owner or, you know, someone who's leading a company is, is touched by this possibility? What, what would you say to them about uh, how they might be able to do something similar in their companies? Sure. I'm having a couple of conversations with some people in West Michigan right now with that. Our original model was to grow our church to about 120, 150 and try to reproduce that and bring it to other places. Uh, that's just not going to be sustainable and reproducible. So we're transitioning right now to say, how do we just find cells of about 10 to 15 that's a micro church that yeah. people really, this is our passion. We're here to absolutely be the kingdom to these people here. So for a business leader, I would just love for them to engage in that conversation, to start dreaming and thinking about it, uh, a partnership with their own local church. So some of the ways that we're trying to process and thinking about it is, one, are there key people already in a business that just live it, that just need to be given permission and coach through it, that they can bring that spiritual element to, to the company? Um, there's a wonderful ministry called Kids Hope 
that started in this area by Verge Golker. And they partnered churches with a local elementary school to partner um, tutors to students. That's been kind of a thought too, is can we help churches be identified that are close to companies that are willing to do this, that those churches can adopt those companies and say, we're simply here to just bless you and walk with your employees. So there's just different ways of thinking about it. And we're just trying to say, how can we re reproduce this well? And how do we help people have permission to do it? Um, one of the challenges that I see as a Christian business owner, I am not one. I'm by the grace of, of their invitation here at a company, but I see the, the deep challenge of Christian leaders that business is business and church is church. And yeah. it's hard for them to live into that. Like I, I hear often, I'm just going to be a good guy. I'm going to treat people well, and I'm going to do business well, and I'm going to make money, and my money will go help support missionaries or, or ministry. Um, I don't know what has to happen in that conversation with a Christian business leader to say, how do I allow mission to be here in the business as well? I don't know how to answer that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, what, what I hear in that, frankly, is um, entrepreneurs do entrepreneurial things. They, they think differently. They create. When they see an opportunity, they create solutions to those opportunities. And that's really what we're describing here is, you know, if God's touching someone's heart right now and they're saying, wow, what would be a new and different way to create ministry in and through my business? tap into that entrepreneurial spirit and then it's somewhat back to what you described earlier then then collaborate with your employees and the community right, that god's given you and come up with innovation and uh mm -hmm. i think where those original foundational building blocks that you described earlier could play a great role in this so that's really that's great insights thank you so gosh we're, we're moving right along here we got a few more minutes <laughs> I'd love to just have you share maybe a lesson or two around this whole concept of multicultural ministry. Um, you mentioned, you know, 17 languages across the, the spectrum of your mission field there. What's a lesson or two or maybe an insight that uh, you would offer for someone who's involved with cross-cultural ministry? Uh, it's, a, it's a steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, there's a book that I read early on, Born to Familiar, by I believe Sarah Lanier. And it just helps you understand the different ways that different cultures see things, uh, a hot culture versus cold culture. And going through that and kind of uh, training our volunteers too to just be aware and observant. But I think one of the key lessons that I learned early on is we would bring focus groups together, people that represented somebody from each culture, and we'd sit down for lunch and just talk about what's going on at work, what's helpful, what do you need, et cetera. And one of the ladies shared with me, you see me. That's all she could say in English. You see me. And we were able to break that down, but what mattered is we earned her trust we we were able to show that we're not here for us we're we're, we're here to, to serve you and and we see you we notice you what are your needs 
And that was so powerful because I think a lot of factory workers feel pretty unseen. And so I think that is key and critical. I think we've helped within the leadership here at the company too. Even in our conversation, we're, we're talking really fast and we need to learn to really slow down and look people in the face. Uh, we use a lot of Google Translate. We do a lot of laughing. We give permission to be able to goof up and, and say funny things. Um, but again, I think one of my key values, God, created all people and all people deserve deep, intense love and honor and value. And the more that the church can do that and show that, uh, better. You know, you, you, Toby, you just brought up something that I, I think we're all being um, certainly cognizant of and perhaps even reminded of in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic is those unseen people in our society are really the ones that deliver the most value. You think we've, you know, we celebrate the truckers, we celebrate the the grocery store workers who are, um, you know, stocking the shelves and those in the meat and food processing plants. The people who don't get the glory, to your words, aren't seen. Mm -hmm. Part of what God is teaching us is how much they should be valued and celebrated and appreciated. And that's, I think that's a beautiful story that you gave there. It's a great example. Great example. Absolutely. And yeah, to slow down a little bit, that's a great reminder in so many areas of life, not just in the pace of conversation, but in the pace of reflection and life. And so those are great, great best practices. Well, Toby, that, these, these conversations always go so much faster than, than I ever planned on. And so we're, we're fast and quickly winding down. I, I'd like to get to kind of like the last section of conversation. I really just have a couple of key questions I'd love to get your insights on. One of the things we love to talk about with our um, guests here at Bottom Line Faith is um, that if you could sit down with the 20-year-old Toby, you gave us the story earlier, you know, you kind of had your sights set on being a CEO of a big company and having your helicopter and the lifestyle and those sorts of things. But if you could sit down with the 20 year old version of you and you could get him to listen to your current version of you, what advice would you want to pass along to him hoping that he would heed? Hmm. Yeah, to get him to listen is the key there, right? Yes. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for the women who are leaders in this setting, but I, I can speak from a male's perspective of the drive and feeling to produce or succeed or, or be something, right? And I think that is really tied deeply to our, I'll just call it the father wound, our, our wounds growing up and trying to figure out who we are. I think if I could speak to my 20-year-old self, I would sit down with him and show him a lot of love and acceptance and say, find a trusted mentor that can walk with you, that can be a spiritual director to help you work through those childhood wounds. Um, because I didn't deal with them until I was late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. And I think that would uh, help with all the striving and all the angst and all the wrestling. I, I know that's part of growing up in, in the process, but to have that one key, beautiful spiritual director to kind of lead you through that in your 20s rather than waiting until you're in your 40s. Uh, that's really good. 
and just hope that he would, 20-year-old Toby would understand how important that would be. Right? That's the challenge. <laughs> That's the challenge. <laughs> well, Toby, before I ask my last question, I, I want to say thank you for being a guest here on the program. And if someone has been encouraged or intrigued about uh, some of the things they, they hear that you know, you're doing and have done, what would be the best way for folks to uh, learn more, maybe even to reach out and, and connect with you? What's, what's the best way to do so? Sure, if uh, people want to take a look, LQ Church, so it stands for LifeQuestChurch.com, LQChurch.com. You can find us uh, on the website. My information is there, a phone number. Uh, my email, Toby, T-O-B-Y, Grupp, G-R-U-P, at gmail.com. Love to have this conversation with anybody who's interested. I love it. I love it. So thank you. So, folks, the, the quickest way, just lqchurch.com. You can check out more about what Toby and I have been discussing on today's Bottom Line Faith program. Well, Toby, it's hard to believe we're at the last question, and my regular listeners here at the program, they already know what I'm about to ask. You know, we've asked this now about 160 times over the last three-plus years, so they won't be surprised, but maybe our first-time listeners, uh, this is a new one for them. So the last question I always ask is based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I call this my 423 question, where Solomon writes these words. He says, above all else, Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So, Toby, if you would just kind of, in that same vein, in that same way, uh, like Solomon, he's like, hey, this is my big piece of advice. This is my one thing I want to encourage you is guard your heart above everything else. So would you just, as we close out our conversation today, would you complete that sentence from your perspective, above all else, would say abide in Christ. And I think that is the deep lesson that many of us are being confronted with during this coronavirus. Uh, are we able to truly slow down and abide and hear instructions from the Father? Mm. And I, I think that becomes so abide. That becomes so critical and key. Yeah. And that's, uh, is that John, what, 15 maybe? Mm-hmm. The abiding process and that, what, what has that meant for you, abiding? Just maybe elaborate just a little bit from your walk with Christ and your perspective and understanding what that passage is telling us in John 15. What do you mean, at abide? Well, I think I can more say what I'm learning that's not. I, I'm yeah, learning okay. during the season, and I think a lot of leaders, we're driven people, right? And it's go, 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 and it's produce, and it's the next thing. And now we're faced with a whole new rhythm and season. And I'm being faced, am I okay with who I am in this space? And it's driving me back to, again, what is my true identity? Uh, who am I? What am I really living for? All right, the stock market tanked. Does that really change who I am? Um, what? I'm okay. Christ has done it all. He's completed it all. I just need to simply abide and listen to my marching orders. So I'm learning, am I more and more content in that, or am I still wrestling trying to make something happen? That is absolutely fantastic and perfectly timed as we are in this coronavirus, because God is just setting us all down, slowing us all down, 
in many cases to a grinding halt. And that's the abiding process where we have to totally and completely trust him. Toby, thank you for being our guest here at Bottom Line Faith. Yeah, thank you for hosting. Well, folks, that has, uh, that's wrapping up another really fun conversation. I've been speaking with Toby Greppen, who's the founding pastor at LifeQuest Church in the Holland, Michigan area, as he shared this very unique model in the church that is physically housed inside the, the location of a business there in the Holland, Michigan area. And the mission field that God has opened up there is extraordinarily unique and powerful. As he shared with us, across 17 languages, God has given them that powerful mission field. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, maybe just like what Toby described, maybe you have some excess uh, office space and you might be thinking about, God, what's the kingdom purpose behind that? Or uh, maybe you have a core group of your employees or your team members that you could sit down with and you know that they share your Christian faith and your Christian worldview and you might be asking, hey, what could we do collectively to minister and, and build the kingdom of Christ in and through this business? I mean, lots of possibilities. And Toby reminded us, you know, as a, as a planting pastor of a church plant, that's an entrepreneurial mindset. And he talked to us about the three things of focusing on diversity, collaboration, and innovation. So I hope that in this conversation today, you have been encouraged of how you can be inspired to live out your faith in a different way or a new way or a deeper way in the marketplace. And that's really what we're about here at Bottom Line Faith. So until next time, I am your host, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to live out your faith each and every day in the marketplace. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.